0: Amen. Grab your Bibles. Grab your Bibles. Turn with me to Matthew chapter number 19. You know, one thing we got to learn, ain't nobody professionals in here. We're a family that's gathering together to, to brag on our fathers. Amen. It's all about Jesus. It's amazing to me when you, when you start connecting the songs, when you start connecting the songs with the doctrine with the teaching of the word, and I couldn't help. If you were here Wednesday night, you, that song right there should have just popped out at you. Just about everything in that song you see in Colossians chapter number one. He's the in, the image of the invisible God. He holds it all together. And if amen. say man, and if you don't know why I'm so excited, you wasn't here Wednesday night, amen. and you need to go. You need to go. Uh, uh, you need to go and watch it. And, and, and you'll see why we're all excited. He holds it all together. He is our everything. He is our everything. The only reason we're saved is because of Jesus. The only way we're going to have peace is through the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. 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 Matthew chapter number 19. I got to read something real quick. And, and what we, let's do this. Let's do this. How many of y'all will help me right now? Welcome all of our fam, Fairview family to our services this morning. Let's welcome our Fairview family. We thank God for you guys up there. Hope y'all are not getting flooded out. Amen. A uh, uh, lot of rain. A lot of rain. We, we're going to, instead of passing out masks, we're going to pass out snorkels. What do you say? Amen. 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 I can, can't y'all see uh, Brother Melvin coming in with flippers on? Amen. Whatever it takes, right? We're going to get to the house of God. Amen. Most of y'all know, most of y'all know, uh, uh, we support, we support missions in Myanmar, right? Uh, Brother Ben Bounds, and and they sent a report uh, that we really need to be praying for. Uh, Pray for Myanmar. We support several missionaries through TTI and Brother Ben Bounds. So both of our main missionary organizations that we work with are there. And some of you might remember Brother Paul. Y'all remember when uh, the, the, the guy came with Brother Bounds and spoke, Brother Paul, which is a, like a long name, but we shortened it to Brother Paul. Amen. He came and he spoke in 2019 for our missions conference. He's one of the church planners over there. And, and communications has been really, really poor. Most of y'all know there's been a military coup over there right now. Uh, people are being killed and murdered every single day. As of 5.30 p.m., uh, the day this was sent out, this email was sent out, 107 people were shot dead that day, including innocent civilians and children. We were hiding for more than two hours today at an inside of our house as the shooting was very close to us. Hong Van Long was beaten by the police at his home. This is one of our, our pastors over there that we support. He was beaten in his home just because he gave drinking water to the protesters. He was rushed to the hospital by some charity workers in critical condition. And he is, as you know, he is one of our, our missionaries that we support. Uh, matter of fact, Brother Jason, y'all saw some pictures up there. Uh, Brother Jason preached in his church uh, so he is, he is one of our really close missionaries. Uh, this is where uh, Jason and Dustin went in 2018. So we need to be praying for the people there. We need to be praying for our missionaries and praying that God would help and, and, and keep those people safe. Now, a lot of times when we see this stuff, it seems so far away. Because we watch this on, on the news and, and it just seems like it's, it's, it's in another part of the world. But ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you this. It's coming here. It's coming here. We, we, are, we are seeing things today that I've never dreamed in a million years. Even though we know it, it's, it's told us, it's prophesied that it's going to happen. And, and, and we need to be praying for God's strength and God's power. Uh, I used to say let's pray, pray that God will change the country, but I think that is uh, th- that is a foregone conclusion. It's inevitable what's going to happen. We need to pray that God will give us courage and us strength to stand in the times of tribulation that we're going to go through. I'm not talking about the tribulation period. I'm talking about the persecution that's going to happen with God's people here on this earth. Are you all with me? Say Amen. amen. So we need to be praying for Myanmar, we need to be praying for Brother Bounds, our missionaries over there, and pray that God would give them the strength that they need, okay? Matthew chapter number 19, we stopped at verse 15 last week, Uh, so let's jump in right there at verse 16. If you found your spot, say amen. Amen. And behold, one came and said unto him, good master, what'd he say? Good Good master, what'd he say? What good thing? What good thing? So two times we see that word and we'll come back to that. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? And he said unto him, why callest thou me good? There it is. There is none good but one that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. And he saith unto them, oh, this is us. This is us. Which one? Now, if I can't get them all, which is a good one? Amen. Which commandment? Jesus starts naming a few. Thou shalt do no murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness. Honor thy father and thy mother, and thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The young man saith unto him, All these things have I kept from my youth up. What like I yet? Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be... Perfect, perfect There's a key word. Go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor, and thou shalt have treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. But when the young man heard that saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word. I thank you for the truth that we find. Oh, there's so much in this that we need to dig out and see and learn. And Lord, I pray that you'll help me. I don't deserve to be here. I don't deserve to be here. Lord, I feel like the Apostle Paul when he said, I'm the least among the saints, the chief of sinners. Lord, I pray right now that you will just cover me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Control my words and my thoughts and my mind. And don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me say, forget anything I should I pray that we'll all learn and grow from this word today. I pray that your perfect will be done, and Lord, we'll thank you for all that you do. In Jesus' name, we all pray, and all God's people say it, Amen. 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 You may be seated. You may be seated there at Fairview. <clears throat> this is an interesting. This is an interesting story that we see in a, a situation that comes up. Uh, and I'll be honest with you: growing up as a kid, growing up as a kid, some of this was a little confusing to me, or puzzling to me, if you will, some of the things that Jesus said to him. And, uh, but as we dig into it, you'll find out that there's more to the story than meets the eye. Uh, we're going we're to learn about this young man and, 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 and talk about him, but we're going to see this. Uh, 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 there, is a, there is a movement, move. I say there is, there, there was years ago, uh, in, and probably still in, in, in a lot of places, A seeker-sensitive movement. Uh, A book was written about 20-something years ago uh, uh, called The Purpose-Driven Church that that really emphasized uh, seeker sensitivity. Uh, In other words, find out what they want and give it to them to attract them. To the house of God. And, uh, and, and, and there's there's a lot of stuff. I, I read the book. I read the book. And, and, and there's a lot of stuff that I agree with. There's a lot of stuff that I disagree with. Uh, but there's a fallacy that comes with that. That principle and that thinking. Uh, uh, because here we find. That there are a lot of people seeking stuff. But they're not necessarily seeking God. There's a lot of people seeking prosperity. There's a lot of people seeking peace. There's a lot of people seeking answers, but they're not necessarily seeking God. Uh, and this is what we're going to find with this story because, and in, in, in why I'm emphasizing that is because when you see what this, this young man is doing uh, to every soul winner, this would be the man, this would be the, the, the cake and the icing too. I mean, everything seems perfect. Everything seems right. All we got to do is lead this man in a prayer. But that's not what Jesus did. And, and, and you say, well, why, why is that? Well, you see, Jesus knows the heart. Jesus knows the heart. He knows what's going on on the inside. And let's just, let's just take a little bit and start examining this story and break it down. Uh, we're going to look at three key things that I want to share with you and break down. Uh, first is the man. We're going to look at this young man and, and, and uh, his situation, describe him a little bit and talk about him a little bit, the seeker. And then we're going to look at the scriptures. Uh, Jesus brings up the law. He brings up the scriptures. And why does he do that? Why does he use it in the way he uses it? But then we're going to look at the Savior. We're going to look at Jesus and specifically what he's trying to do in this situation. So if you're following along with me, say amen. Amen. Now, number one, number one, let's look at the seeker. First, if you're taking notes, write this down. We see his description, we see his description. Now, if you will go, if you will go and look in all three of the synoptic gospels, and you say, what are the synoptic gospels? The synonymous ones, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they are all together. You have the synoptic gospels who have primarily the same stories from a different eye. Are are y'all with me? And then you have Johann and Doctrine, which is the book of John. Well, if you put Matthew, Mark, and Luke together and read all three situations from a different view and a different eye, they all include something just a little different so you get a clear picture of the story if that makes sense amen every one of them says something a little bit different not different contradicting the other but just adds a little bit more to it okay and so what we learn from that is this man this man was rich he was young and he was a ruler now, most likely, when we use the word ruler here, he's talking about a ruler of the synagogue, okay? So he was one of the rulers of the synagogue. He was a very wealthy man who had great possessions. And and you got to think about this. you got to think about this. Uh, as young as he is, that is almost unheard of to be a ruler of the synagogue, to be wealthy, to have all of these things. So this man is a very passionate man. He is a very driven man. He is a man who, listen, he takes the bull by the horns and goes after it. Are y'all with me? Say amen. And this is important that we see this. He is very religious. He's very religious. As you you heard, when Jesus started naming certain commandments, he said, oh, I'm good, I got all this. So he's, he's very religious. Okay, now, what else do we see? What else do we see? Not only do we see his description, but we see his demeanor. We see his demeanor. How does he come to Jesus? Well, in the other gospels, we find that he ran to Jesus. He ran to Jesus and knelt before him. All right? Now, what do we see about that? He is serious. He is sincere. He runs to Christ. Uh, And and by the way, you got to know this. You got to know this. In the Oriental culture, in that day, you did not do that. Dignified, dignified rulers did not run. That's why it's so significant. That's why it's so significant in the story of the prodigal son. When the father ran to him, they they did not do that. Seasoned gentlemen, that was that was unheard of. That was not even proper to do that. Old men did not do that. Distinguished men, men of honor and respect did not do this. But we find this young man runs to Jesus. What does that tell me? He doesn't care what people think. He doesn't care about his, his, his culture. He doesn't care about what, what, what his uh, 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 reputation would be. He needs to get to Jesus. He's sincere. He's sincere. Now, uh, how many of y'all believe or know that, 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 that there are a lot of sincere people in the Muslim faith? There's a lot of sincere people in all kind of different cults. And some people have this idea that if you're sincere, if you're sincere, God understands that. You can be sincere, but be sincerely wrong. But yet this man runs to Jesus. He falls at his feet and kneels, so, so he's driven, he's religious, he's successful, he, he, he is sincere, and he's humble. He's humble. He kneels before this teacher, he kneels before Jesus. All he knows is that this man is doing things other people can't do. And there's something significant about him. There's something special about him. Nobody talks like he talks. Nobody does what he does. Nobody can accomplish what he can accomplish. I need to hear something from him. Are y'all with me? Say amen. amen. Then we see his desire. Write that down. His desire. Good master. What good thing shall I do that I may have eternal life? Eternal life. I want it. And and by the way, eternal life is not just meaning longevity. It's meaning God's life. It's meaning the life that we find in John chapter number 10, right? Uh, 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 I came that you might have life and have it more abundantly, right? The thief cometh but to steal, kill, and destroy, but I come that you might have life. And that's what he's talking about. I, 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 it's not this. I don't want to ever die. I, I want to have the God life. I want to have eternal life. I want to have that joy in that life that is abundant. He is sincere. He is religious, but he knows something is missing. Something is missing. And he's desiring. He's desiring that which is missing. Now, so far, so far. If you are a soul winner, if you are uh, someone who likes to share the gospel, uh, if you look at it from this side, this is almost like picking easy fruit. I mean, I didn't even have to go find him. He ran to me. Are y'all with me? But Jesus sees much more than we see. And so Jesus' response. Secondly, what does Jesus say? Now, this is kind of unusual. This is kind of unusual. Unusual. Look what it says, verse 17. Verse 17, he said unto him, this is Jesus, Why callest thou me good? There is none good but one, that is God. But if thou wilt enter into life, keep the commandments. Now, two things there puzzle me, especially when I was growing up. All right, Jesus said, now I knew, I knew before I even read this chapter when I was a kid, that Jesus was God. He was God the Son He was the son of God. He was God in the flesh, right? Right. Come on, y'all get with me. I know it's dreary outside, but there's red bull at the counter. Say amen. Get with me. All right. So when I read that, brother Sam, I was thinking, why would Jesus ask that? I mean, he's God. Why are you saying, why call me God? Because you are God. You know, so I'm thinking, what, what, there's something different there. There's something going on here. That, 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 that's not on the surface. And, 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 the, and trust me, there is. There is. Jesus is getting down to the nitty gritty. He's getting down to the real deal. He's cutting past the surface stuff and getting down to the heart. And he says, why do you call me good? Now, why, when did he ask that question? Right after he used the word good twice. He said, good master, Good master, good teacher, good rabbi, good master. He said, I'm calling you good. But then he turns around and he says, what good thing can I do? What good thing can I do? So he's putting good with God and he's putting good with himself. Jesus says, we have a problem right there because I don't think you understand what good means. Let me illustrate, let me illustrate. If he's associating good with God and associating good with himself, He doesn't understand good. For instance, for instance, we use the word love, right? I turn around and I look at my wife sitting on the porch and I said, baby, I love you. And then I turn around and see Merle, my coon dog sitting on my tailgate and said, Merle, I love you, son. Now, what do you think Tammy's going to think? I don't think you know what that word means. This word don't mean what you think it means. Because if you're putting them together, you're putting, you're putting Merle on the same level as Tammy. Houston, we have a problem. Do y'all see what's happening here? I Now, Jesus is rightly saying, only God is good. But by saying this, he is saying, only God is good, you ain't and you're wanting to know what good thing you can do, you can't. Does this make sense? And so here we go. When he's asking about eternal life, when he's asking about salvation, here's the second thing in that verse that puzzled me. All right, if anybody comes because of what we know about the Scripture, what we know the Bible teaches about works and faith, What we know about grace, are y'all with me? Uh, What we know about salvation and the plan of salvation and the way of salvation, I would never tell any any person, not one single person, if they come to me about being saved, Preacher, I want to get saved, I would never tell them to keep the commandments. I would never tell them that. You say, well, why wouldn't you? Because you can't. By the deeds of the law shall no man be justified. But yet, that's what Jesus told him. Are y'all getting puzzled yet? Because if you're not, you're not listening. If no man can be justified by keeping the commandments, why in the world would Jesus tell him to keep the commandments? Puzzled yet? Do y'all see where I'm going with this? Why would Jesus tell him to do something he could not do? Because this young man thought he could. And so Jesus has got to see and got to show him his real condition. Now let me, let me help you. I'm going to cheat a little bit and give you a little heads up, a little, a little help, a little hint. This man came to Jesus, but he didn't understand how bad a shape he was really in. This young man thought he was good to go. He's done kept all these commandments. He's a good moral guy. He's a good religious guy. He never misses a chance to be in the synagogue. He's done gone so much. He's now a ruler of the synagogue. But see, Jesus knows something. You cannot get saved till you get lost. And you don't know you're lost till you come to the law. Yes. Watch this. Why did Jesus bring up the law? Why did Jesus bring up the scriptures? Why else would the law be used? It is to break you. It is to break you. Write that down. You say, preacher, that's awful tough language. Look what the Bible says, Romans three twenty. <clears throat> Therefore, now listen. This is we're 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 teaching doctrine here. You got this? this ain't one you can get popcorn. Come on, stay with me. Therefore, by the deeds of the law. What did Jesus tell this young man? Keep the commandments. What is he saying? Do the deeds of the law. Well, preacher, you just said nobody can get. I know. That's what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus is not trying to get him saved at this point. He's trying to get him lost. Boy, I hope you're following. Romans 3.20. Therefore, by the deeds of the law shall. No, say it with me, shall no flesh be justified in his sight. What, let me, let me. In plain terms, nobody can get saved by keeping the law. It's an impossibility. Watch this. What was the law for then? For by the law is the, the knowledge of sin. The law was never created or given to you to save you. It was to show you that you needed to be saved. That's right. And Jesus is telling him to keep the law, not to save him, but to show him he needs saving. Does this make sense? Now watch, look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. Romans seven thirteen Was then that which is good made death unto me? God forbid. But sin... That it might appear sin working death in me by that which is good. That sin by the commandment. That's the law. Sin by the commandment might become exceeding sinful. Now what does that mean? It simply means this. That the law showed me how bad a shape I was really in. When God gave me his law. When God gave me the commandments, he said, this is what it takes to make it to glory. But we have found out we have all fallen short of the glory of God. And the only way to be saved by the law is to keep the law perfectly. Didn't we find that word too? If thou be perfect. Because the young man said, I got this. I got this. And you said, well, let's see. Y'all see where I'm going with this? So Jesus brought in the law. He brought in the commandments to break this young man. Because this young man was religious. He was arrogant. He thought he was good. Let me say that again. He thought he was. But you know what the Bible says? There is none good. No, not one. Are y'all with me? Say amen. So Jesus brought in the scriptures. Let's see. Let's see, you say you're good. You say you can do a good thing to get eternal life. You think there's a good deed you can do. Well, let's see what the Scriptures. So he used the law to break him. But the Scriptures are given to us, ladies and gentlemen. The law is given to us, not just to break us and show us that we're sinners. And we're exceedingly sinful. And without Christ, we're in trouble. But the law was used to bring us to Christ. It wasn't just to break us. It was to bring us. Let me read. Let me read. Look what it says. In Galatians 3.24. In Galatians 3.24. Look at your notes right there. Wherefore the. Help me. Wherefore the. The law. The law. The commandments. Was our schoolmaster to. Bring us unto. Christ that we might be justified by faith. You mean to tell me God didn't give the commandments there on Mount Sinai for people to be saved? Nope. He gave them the law to show them they were lost. Preacher, that just don't even make sense. I'm just telling you the facts. Because there's, and you say, why is this important to know today? Because there's so many people who think if they follow a certain set of rules, that is the way to heaven. And if they follow them good enough, they can get in. That is why, that is why this young man said the word which. When he said, keep the commandments, what did he say? Which? Which one? That response by itself shows he didn't have a clue. Are y'all with me? The commandments were not given to save you. So if you're trying to follow the commandments and hoping you're going to get in, you are desperately lost. The commandment was not there to save you. It was there to convict you and show you that you needed to be saved. And everybody that needs to be saved needs a savior. And God is saying, hey, you're broken. You're a sinner. There is none righteous. No, not one. There is none who can keep the commandments perfectly. But I have provided a Savior for every sinner. Say amen. amen. This young man thought he was good. He thought he had it made. He thought he was keeping all the commandments. But Jesus... He, he, he did more than examine the outside. He cut to the heart. Watch this, number three. Number three. Now, does everybody understand the purpose of the, the scriptures, the law? Does everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. Now, watch this, number three. <clears throat> watch what Jesus does. Watch what Jesus does. Now, keep in mind, this is what happened. This guy, know, he knows he's missing something. He's got religion down. He's got the economic world down. He's got many possessions. He's rich. He's loaded. Uh, he's a driven guy. And I'd be i would be, I'd be willing to bet that, that he would probably be all of our buddies if we met him on the street. He was probably a good kid. Probably a good moral guy who we'd probably all get along with. But he had a misunderstanding of truth. Because... And this was a struggle that Jesus had the whole time with the religious uh, uh, Jewish people of that day because they had turned uh, Judaism and God's word into something that was legalistic and not about grace. So he had this idea that I had to perform. So he's asking Jesus. He's asking Jesus, what good deed do I need to do to get eternal life? And so this is what Jesus does. First thing he does, look at your notes, write this down. He confronted, or he challenged, excuse me, he challenged his statement. He challenged his statement. The first thing he does is says, why do you call me good? Why do you call me good? Now, how many of y'all would agree with me right now? Jesus is God. Right? So calling him good would be legit, right? Now, why would, why would Jesus ask, why are you calling me good? Because if he's God, he is good. So to me, that'd be a legitimate question. The only problem is, he connected good, the word good, with himself. He not only called Jesus good, but he said, what good thing can I do? So what is this young man doing right here? He's saying God is good, but he's also saying, I am good. Jesus is not denying that he's God in this statement. That's what puzzled me. When I was a kid, I just didn't understand. I said, why why are you asking that, Jesus? Because you are God. So it's okay to call you good. But the problem was not in calling God good. The problem was in calling himself good. Because if he thinks he's good, and he's associating that with God, then you don't know what good means. Are y'all with me? He... He challenged his statement. What is he doing with this young man? He's trying to get him lost. And I don't know if y'all understand how important what I'm telling you is right now and how big what I'm telling you right now. I remember hearing an elderly lady who was in her 70s stand in a church one day and declare, I have always been a Christian. Just because she was raised in that church as a little baby and on up through, she said, I have always been a Christian. If you, no, 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 something's wrong there. Something's wrong there. Because if you have never been a sinner, then you've never been a Christian. Because until you realize you're a sinner, you can't be a Christian. Until you realize that you're broken, until you realize your sin has broken God's law, you cannot get saved till you get lost. The hardest part about the Bible Belt, the hardest part about preaching and teaching and witnessing and and evangelism in the South is everybody saved. They'll live. They'll live like hell itself, like a demon possessed, devil raised dog. And everybody will say, we'll see you in heaven when we get there. Now something's wrong with that. Everybody's not saved. Everybody's lost. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody is wicked. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what your heritage is. I don't care who your mom and daddy was or who your grandpappy was. We're all broken. We were all conceived in sin. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me? I came to this world broken. And this man was so confused. He thought he was good. He thought he could actually do a work, do a deed of the law and get into heaven. And Jesus is trying to show him, you're not good. Are y'all with me? Say amen. He challenged. He challenged the word that he used. He challenged his statement. Why? 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 Because the Bible says in Psalms 14, 2, the Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand and seek God. They are all gone aside. They are all, say it with me, they are all together become filthy. Read it with me now. There is none that doeth no He said, the Lord looked down to see if any sought God. He said, but he ran to Jesus. Yeah, but he wasn't seeking God. He was seeking that thing that was missing. He was seeking maybe peace. He was seeking maybe... But he wasn't seeking God. Now watch, I'm going somewhere. Isaiah 64, 6. Isaiah 64, 6, but we are, come on, but we are all all as an unclean thing. And all all our righteousnesses, righteousnesses, plural, that means our deeds, our good works, y'all with me? Are as filthy filthy rags. What does that mean? That means God is so holy. God is so pure. He is so righteous. There's four beasts around the throne crying day and night. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which was and is and is to come. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, which is and is to come. He is so holy. He is so pure. He is so righteous. He is so far above us. We are so sinners that the very best good deeds that we could ever come up with, considered to God's holiness in God's eyes, they're still as filthy rags. Now, do you see how insane it would be to tell somebody to do a good deed? So, that's not what Jesus was doing. He was trying to show this young man that he could not do that. But this man was wanting to do a righteous act to earn salvation, to earn eternal life. So, Jesus turned him to the commandments. He said, Okay, keep the commandments. Keep the commandments. And keep doesn't mean do one or two of them. Keep means do them perfectly. Don't, watch this now. Don't break any of them ever. Ever. You have to perfectly keep the law perfectly. By the way, there's only one man that did that. And his name is Jesus. So, if the best we can do in God's eyes is still filthy rags, this is why it says in Romans 3.20, Therefore by the, Therefore by the, There shall no flesh be justified in his sight. Well, it should seem obvious if the best we can do is still filthy rags. What good deed do you think you're going to do to get in? So that shows me Jesus was not telling him, go do a good deed. He was showing him, you can't do a good deed. Uh, Only problem is, is this kid was blind. Because Jesus started naming off the ones. Watch this, watch this. Y'all with me? Jesus is good. He starts naming off the ones that this kid was good at. That's what legalistic people like to do. They like to judge other people by the things that they're good at. Yeah, you'll look down on somebody who's got a problem with something you're good at. But you won't look in the mirror and look at your own issue. But that's a whole nother sermon. So Jesus just names off some. And this excites this young man. This excites this young man. Because he says, I'm good. I done all them from my youth. Y'all with me? I know Jesus didn't say it, but I know he thought it. Gotcha. Watch. He challenged his statement. Then, secondly, he confronted his standing. You think you're good, kid? You think you're good. You think you got it all together because of these few that I named. Well, let's, let's talk about some I haven't named. How many of y'all know Jesus knows? He knows. You see, Jesus, I, 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 I only know what I see in front of me. Because you always bring your Sunday morning person. Come on. You always bring your Sunday morning person so you can fool anybody in this room. But Jesus was at your house this week. Jesus was in your office this week. Jesus was with you on your computer this week. You can hide it from your wife. You can hide it from your husband. You can hide it from your kids, but you can't hide it from God. So Jesus confronted his situation and said, Let's see if you are who you think you are. Look what he says. Okay. The young man in verse 20 says, I'm good. I got it. I got it. All these things have I kept from my, my youth. What well, lack like I yet? Jesus said, Well, let's see. Jesus said unto him, If thou wilt be perfect. Now remember, The only way to be saved by the law is to keep it perfectly. Let me say it again so we're all on the same page. The only way to be saved by the law is to keep it perfectly. So Jesus said, let's see if you're perfect. Okay. You think you're good? You're you're declaring that you've got it all covered. Let's see. Let's see and watch what he says. If thou wilt be perfect, go and sell that thou hast and give to the poor. And thou shalt have treasure in heaven. He said, come and follow me. And by the way, by the way, don't get caught up with a crowd who will just take one verse and create a theology out of that verse. Foolish people will just read this one little verse and say, okay, the only way to get to heaven, you got to go sell everything you have. That's not where Jesus is going with this. He's confronting the sin that's in his life that this man can't see. So don't go and sell everything you have. Are y'all with me? Don't try to keep the commandments. You gotta, you gotta, that's why the Bible says Study. He said, young man, let's see if you're perfect. Let's see if you are who you think you are. And he says, go sell what you have and give to the poor. Now, keep in mind, keep in mind his financial portfolio. He's very rich and he has many possessions. What happens to this young man? He says, he turned around and was sorrowful. He was sorrowful. What did he do? What did he do? He walked away. He walked away. What did Jesus just uncover? His sin. How many of y'all know the Bible says, have no other gods before me? Man cannot serve God and mammon, which is money possessions he was good at that adultery thing he was good at that honor thy father and thy mother he was even good at loving thy neighbor but there were some others that he conveniently overlooked so what's the problem with that preacher I'm pretty good well here's the problem James 2 10 look at your notes for whosoever shall keep the whole, the whole law, and all words, all of them, and yet offend in one point, he is guilty, he's guilty, of all. He's guilty of all. Now, what does that mean? That means when that man said which, Jesus had him. Because he was good at several of them. But when it comes to covetousness, that's a hard word for me to say. I got it right on the first try. Amen. I think so. I think I got it right. Covetousness. Let's just stick with thou shalt not covet. Covet. Have no other gods before me. You know, that's the, that's, the, that's the cry and shame about having so many teachers in one congregation. Amen. They just they judge you. They just judge you. I can see it in your eyes. There was a sin that Jesus uncovered. You see, he confronted his standing. You think you're good. But let's see. So what is he doing by telling him to do selling, selling these goods? How many of y'all know that the, there's not one scripture in the Bible that says sell everything you have so you can get to heaven? So we know that's not what's happening here. He's testing him. Let's see how you're doing with that coveting thing. Let's see how you're doing with that no other gods thing. Now look what he did. Look what he did. He confirmed his sin. He challenged his statement, he confronted his standing, and he confirmed his sin. What do you mean, preacher? Exodus 20 verse three says, "Thou shalt have no other gods before me." Deuteronomy chapter six verse five says, "Thou shalt love the Lord thy with all thine and with all thy and with all thy." Luke 16:13 no servant can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. ye cannot serve God and Mammon. Jesus said in Luke 14, 26, If any man come to me and hate not his father and his mother and his wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, in his own life also he cannot be my disciple. Whosoever doth not bear his cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Verse 33, So likewise, whosoever he be of you that forsaketh not all that he hath, he cannot be my disciple. Everybody look at me real quick. Look at me real quick. We're in overtime, so look at me. Don't don't start folding stuff up and putting your mind away. Look at me, everybody. This man was a sinner, and his need was a savior. Let me say it again. This man was a sinner, and his need was a savior. The problem was that he didn't see himself as a sinner. And you cannot get saved till you realize you are lost. Even though he ran to Jesus and said, tell me what to do. You know what Jesus taught us right here, everybody? You know what Jesus taught us right here? Until you recognize who you are. What you do is irrelevant, and you until you come to God and acknowledge you're broken, and that you are a wretched sinner, unable to do anything good. Now watch this. This man was sorrowful, and he turned around and say it with me. He, you know what the Bible we just read? A servant cannot serve two masters. Either he will love the one and he will serve the one, despise it. I guarantee you this, when that man was walking away, his anger, his hatred, he despised Jesus. Because Jesus asked of something that he was not willing to do. What do we see? This man was a seeker. But he wasn't seeking God. There were tons of people who came to Jesus when he fed the 5,000 because they were looking for free food. But do you know what most of them did? They all turned away. Because they were seeking bread, not Jesus. Preacher, why are you saying all this? How do we apply this today? There are people that come to this building because their wife walked out on them. There are people that come to this building because their kids have gone crazy on them. There are people come to this building because the doctor has said, I'm sorry. And there are people that come just because they feel like something missing. They're trying to find. They want to be prosperous. They want their bank account to be right. They want to be happy. And they're seeking stuff but they're not seeking God. How do you know? Because according to the the story of the seeds that are planted, there will be people who joyfully receive it, but they have no roots. In other words, they were not truly born again. They were not seeking God. They were seeking what God could do for them. And when the sun arose, which represents difficulty, hard times, they melt away. Kind of like COVID. Kind of like many other things. How many times have you seen people that sat in chairs right beside you when things were going rough in their life and they came and said, oh God, oh God, fix my situation. He fixes it and you can't find them again. Brother Sam, I'm I'm afraid there's going to be a lot of people that are sitting in pews all over America that's going to die and go to hell because they are seeking what God can do for them, not who God is. They want a better life, but they don't want a Lord. Man, you need to hear what I just said. They They want a better life, but they don't want a Lord that tells them what to do. Ladies and gentlemen, He is our King. And as our King, we submit to Him. We have to come to Him with nothing in our hand. And say, God, whatever, whenever, however, I submit totally to You. I hope you're saved today. I hope you know Jesus today. If you don't, you can. But you first have to understand that you're a sinner. There is none righteous, no, not one. He is a great Savior for great sinners. There is a great salvation that's waiting for you from a great Savior if you're a great sinner. And, And if you don't know by now throughout this whole message you're a great sinner. Because if you've just broken one, you're guilty of all. Now let me say this through this thing because I've heard some stupid people make stupid comments about this. Well, if I'm guilty of adultery, I might, well, go ahead and do it. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It doesn't mean if you tell a lie, you're an adulterer. It means you're a lawbreaker. And there are consequences to adultery that there is not to lie in. You better stick with one. I don't want you to do any of them. But don't make foolish comments like that. Amen? That's all Stan. There's a thousand more people that need to hear this. Our whole country needs to hear this. Quit using Jesus as a crutch. I saw I saw a I saw a sign that said Is Jesus your steering wheel or your spare tire? Man, that's a, that's huge. Brother Mickle, I'm afraid this young man was was looking for a spare tire. What are you looking for? Why are you here today? Are you seeking God or are you seeking a fix for your situation? God is the fix for any situation. But if all you're seeking is for your spouse to get along better with you, for your kid to come home, for your bank account to be better, for the doctor's appointment to go okay, You're totally missing how serious of trouble you're really in. This man, he just wanted to add something else to his resume. He said, what more do I lack? I got it all. And he had no idea how condemned he really was. And all God's people say it.